Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 15, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling and what the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of His power to usward who believe according to the working of His mighty power which He wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. Here is a people that are saved. Here are a people that have the indwelling Spirit of God. Here are a people that are inheritors. We're heirs of God, joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We're, we're inheritors by being in the family of God, brought into on time, the timeline by faith and our profession, our trust, our entrusting, our conviction, convincing, and putting our faith in what Jesus Christ has done for us. But there's more. <laughs> That's hard to believe, but there's more. And, you know, we're not aware of that. We're, that. That is what all God has done for us. What He has given unto us is really still a mystery. Now, listen, listen and see if you can see this. So I heard of your faith, your love of the saints, uh, back up to verse 13 and 14, we have the earnest of our inheritance, the indwelling Spirit of God. But verse 16, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know, is there more to know? that we might know the hope of His calling, what is the riches of the glory of the inheritance, that we might know the exceeding greatness of His power that's in you. So first on the list, that we might know the hope of His calling. How are we going to do this? So I believe, that, I believe you could say this. Paul is praying that the God, listen to how he writes this, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now how was Christ equal and yet He calls Him the God of our Lord Jesus Christ? In His humanity, Jesus 
prayed unto God the Father, right? In His humanity, Christ leaned upon, looked into God the Father. You and I are in our humanity. There's a part of us that is saved. We're children. If you're saved, you're a child of God. We've got the earnest of the inheritance. But you know what Paul is praying for? He's praying that the eyes of our understanding, he's really praying that the heart, the inner man, that there could be a revelation of the wisdom, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayer, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all glory, so the glorious God and the God, that God, who is glorified and His glory is seen through Jesus Christ. Jesus, now the glory of God, is seen through Christ. Christ is your Savior. We put our faith and our trust in Him. God dwells in you by the working of the Holy Spirit. But that's Christ too, isn't it? He said, I'm going to go away, but I'm going to send another one just like me. Can we know the will of God? Can we know the will of the Father? Can we know the will of the Son? Through the Holy Spirit, you and I can know the will of God. Just bear with me a minute. Maybe we can get all of this together. I pray that God, that God would may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in knowledge of Him. This is not knowledge of Christ. This is knowledge of God. You'll read the next three verses and then you'll see there's a distinction there that it was God who raised Him. He who raised Him. This is the same He He's talking about right here. That we might have a greater knowledge of God that God would open to us, give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. So the knowledge of God. Spirit of wisdom and revelation. So as you think about that, God by the Holy Spirit works in our spirit to give us wisdom and understanding. You know, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not out of the picture. When the Spirit of God works on me, the Spirit of God works on you, I'm not out of the picture. He is working in me to bring about. It is God who worketh in you both to will and to do. So it's the Spirit of God working in your spirit. Listen to Paul's writings in, um, let's look in Romans first, Romans chapter number 8. Romans chapter number 8, verse 5. For they that are after. So think of it like this, that this is what I'm come from. This is my origin They that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. So 
there was a natural birth that you and I had, and our natural man follows the things of nature. But there was a spiritual birth, and that spiritual birth follows the things of the Spirit of God. So he says this, For to be carnally minded or fleshly minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be the Spirit of God dwell in you. So what's happened? There's been a new birth. Nicodemus, you must be born again. You mean I'm going back again into my mother's womb? No, that was a natural birth. There must be a spiritual birth. And if there's no spiritual birth, you know what my nature is? It's to follow all the carnal things, all the fleshly things, all the natural things. But if there has been a spiritual birth, and that spiritual birth is within you, you have a new nature now. You have been born and born again and given a new nature. I believe he says it's in Peter. Maybe it's in 1 Peter. Second Peter chapter 1. I'm going to read verse number 3. According as His divine power... Now, who, whose power is this? Through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God. Isn't that what Paul's praying for the Ephesian church to have? A greater knowledge a spirit of wisdom, understanding, revelation, Peter says, according as His divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that have called us... What's the hope of your calling? That has called us to glory and virtue, whereby through our calling whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption, the decay, the ruin that is in the world through lust. You've been given a new nature. Paul is praying that God would open and give unto the Ephesian church the spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowing God. First thing on that list is knowing the knowing of His calling. So, just a little bit more. He says to us, the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Does my heart need to be enlightened? Who, what is going to enlighten me? 
the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God. Listen to Paul's writing in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 1. For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. Isn't it amazing that the world, the wisest religious men that were in the world, when Jesus was here, crucified the Son of God. Were they smart? Paul was in that group. Was he smart? But he was not wise. He wasn't wise with the wisdom of God. He may have been wise in the things of the world. He was a much learned man in the law of God. But the real revelation of who Jesus Christ was, was hid to Paul. By wisdom, the world knew not God. Paul goes on in chapter number 2, 1 Corinthians. And you know what he's saying here? He's saying, I don't want, I don't want you to trust in me. I don't want to come to you with words of wisdom, enticing words. I don't want to be some great orator. I want the power of God to be upon my life that your faith might not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So read with me a little bit in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. That your faith, verse 5, should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. I say this very respectfully. If you've ever come, the young lady that came this morning, I believe that was because of God's work. I believe the reason Felix trembled was because of God's work. I believe the reason that Paul was saved was because of God's work. I don't have the wisdom to call you into the kingdom of God. If I can persuade you, it will be an absolute failure in the end. But if God persuades you, if God convinces you, if the working of the Holy Spirit draws you and brings you unto a place that you cast your cares and your faith and your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, There is a calling, ladies and gentlemen. There is a hope of a calling that you can count on. There is a hope and a calling that is eternal. There is a hope and a calling that is from out of this world. Paul says, that your faith be not in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect. Yet not the wisdom of the world, nor the princes of this world that come to naught, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Now what's Paul praying for to the Ephesians? That the eyes of their understanding might be enlightened, that they might be able to see what God has done for them, that they might know the hope of His calling, the inheritance that they have, the power of God that worketh in them. I tell you, you talk about some a wonderful verse. And I hope that we can get to it and we can see in a, in, in, in a little while what power it is that you have within you that is so 
honest to God, I'll just say for me, that is so little made use of. Just a hint. The power that's in you is the same power that raised Jesus Christ who took the sins of everybody that will ever be saved on Him, laid in a tomb for three days. That power that raised Him from the dead is the same power of God that worketh in you. God help us to be able to see that in a little while. But Paul is praying that this church at Ephesus would understand what God has done. Listen in 1 Corinthians again, chapter 2. This wisdom, the princes of the world didn't know about it. They crucified the Son of God. The wisdom of the world knew not God. They crucified the Son of God. None of the princes knew this. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, listen now, verse 9. I have not seen, nor ear heard, neither entering into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love Him. Why do you love Him? You love Him because He loved you first. Isn't that right? Isn't that right? The only reason that you love God is because He loved you first. But has God, is there more than just being saved? Oh yes, there's great, great revelations yet to come. Paul had been called to the third heaven. Paul had seen things that was unlawful to be uttered by man. And yet Paul said, Yet I will come to more and greater revelations. What about that? That a man who had been called to the third heaven and seen things, a friend that was unlawful to be uttered, says, I no doubt I'm going to come to greater revelations than what I've seen. What revelations have we seen and what is yet to be seen? You say, well, I've seen a few things. That's wonderful. I wonder how much of the treasure is still hidden. I wonder how much of the treasure of you being a child of God is still hidden. I have not seen, nor ear heard, neither entered into the heart of man the things which God had prepared for them that love Him. Well, one day, preacher, we're going to get to see it when we get to heaven. Paul's already been to heaven. He says, in this earth, I'm going to see greater revelation. No, that's not what the, the apostle's saying. Apostle is not saying when I get to heaven, but he said, God hath revealed them unto us. Who's us? The church. Paul's included in us, isn't he? Isn't Paul included? How about the believers down at Ephesus, or down at Corinth? The Bible says to us in chapter number 1 and verse number 2 in Corinthians, just so we can see, under the church of God which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all that are in every place, called upon the name of the Lord of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs, theirs and ours. Unto us God hath revealed them unto us, by His Spirit, 
For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. You know what you and I can have? We can have a greater revelation and a greater wisdom of what God has done for us than what we have right now. I tell you, there is much yet to be seen, much yet to be revealed, much yet. Paul is praying for a church that has a spirit, a church that are inheritors, a church that God called from before the foundation of the world, a church that God has adopted, a church that God has forgiven, a church that God has given wisdom uh, to know the purpose and the will of God. There is still greater things yet to be revealed to us through and by the Spirit of God. Should I pray for that? If Paul prayed for that, should I pray for that? Should I pray that God would make me wise and, and, and make me to have a spirit of revelation, to have a desire to see and to understand what God has done for me and done for you? Oh, Lord, folks. You know, there is so much more. What a hope. What, what a calling that we have. Paul said He has revealed it unto them. Uh, reveal them what? Reveal those things that the eye has not seen, the ears not heard, neither even entered into your heart what God hath prepared for them that love Him. Now let me ask you this. Do I need that in heaven? I need that now. I need that in this earth. I need it in that, that in this world. I need to know who I am, what God has done for me, uh, what God has prepared for me in this world. I don't need that in the world to come. I need that in this world. I need, ladies and gentlemen, uh, to go farther in the understanding, in the wisdom, in the knowledge, in revelation of what God has done for me. We need, I, I tell you, if we could have a revelation, I believe it would build a fire under us. To dig after the Word of God. The revelation of God. The truth is, I don't say it to be ugly, we're lazy. We are lazy on the things of God. It's the truth. God has given us such a great abundance and man makes no effort to dig in and to uncover that. I tell you, if we dig, you, you, you just think. Think about these, these miners, whether they're digging for gold or they're digging for silver or they're digging for diamonds. You think it's just laying on the top of the ground? Do you think there may have to be some serious digging before we ever see the first nugget? But if we see the first nugget, after effort, after desire, after praying, after seeking, after longing, after... I mean, God, just think with me for a moment, would you? God has prepared this. Your eye hadn't seen it, not entered into your heart, what God has prepared for them that love Him. What does that say to us? I need, to be, I need to be looking after this, don't I? I need to be digging after this. But you know what? The flesh, the flesh and the world and the things of this world 
keep us occupied and we do not have time nor are we willing to put forth the effort to get along with God, get in God's Word and dig after finding that first nugget. I tell you, if there would be effort put forth to find the first nugget of what you've never seen before, of what God has done for you, I'm not talking about what Joseph revealed to you or what some other preacher revealed to you, but I'm talking about God revealing unto you as an individual something that He has done for you, prepared for you. If you were to find that in your study, in your home, in your uh, prayer time, in your Bible study, if you were to find that, you know what it do? It would excite you and stir you to dig farther. But the natural man is at enmity against the Spirit. I'll read it to you one more time. But as it is written, I have not seen. That's in Isaiah chapter 64, 4. So the Old Testament had this promise, didn't it? Here it is in the New Testament, and Paul says the way to see it is through the Spirit. The way for us to see it is through the Holy Ghost. It is not, not in the uh, eye have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love Him. What God neither, neither entered into the heart the things which God hath prepared. Let me ask you. The wife says, Come on, supper's ready. Has there been a work done? Is that ready for you to be a partaker of? God hath prepared. This is prepared for you. This is prepared for you that love God. And the reason you love God is because He first loved you. Are, are you called? Has God called you? Then I'll tell you this is part of the hope of the calling. A friend, part of the hope of the calling is that you and I are partakers and God hath prepared for them that love Him, but He has revealed it. You've not seen it yet, not entered into your heart, but God hath prepared uh, what God has prepared. But the Spirit searcheth all the things, the deep things of God, what man knoweth of the Spirit of a man, save the Spirit of man which is in him. Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. You know how I'm going to see? You know how I'm going to find the nugget? It's going to be through and by the Holy Ghost of God. Paul is praying that the Spirit might work in their spirit, that there would be a spirit of wisdom and revelation that they would be able to enjoy the eyes of their understanding. You know what i got to do? i got to get out of this carnal man. i got to get out of this carnal mind. I've got to get in the Word of God. I've got to pray and beg God, Lord, You wrote this down spiritually. Would You give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation that I could understand what You're saying You've done for me? How much effort for that? <laughs> Who's the richest man in the world? Bezo? What if he prepared something for you? You know, I had a man. I took some cattle to the market for him couple of weeks ago 
He called me and he said, Greg, I've got a little package prepared for you. Come out of that, come out of that cattle I took to the to a pinnacle for him. Boy, I tell you, I opened up that package. He had prepared, I mean, some wonderful stuff for me. But you know, it was hidden. But he told me, he said, Greg, I prepared this for you, and I'm going to set it on the front porch at your house. What if I just let that sit there and rot? Wouldn't that have been a waste? Wouldn't that have been a terrible thing? You know what God said? I got something prepared for you. Now, if Jeff Bezos prepared us a package, what do you think he'd do? Would you be in great expectation of what the richest man in the world, a man that would care for you, that would love you, that had you in mind, that wanted to do something for you to help you along, if he fixed you a care package, would you be excited to look and see what was in there? Well, I tell you, this is the Creator of Him. This is the Creator of the richest man in the world said, I have fixed something for you. Should I be excited? Should I desire to look? Should I ask God, would you let me look at the corner of that? Lord, would you allow me, uh, would you allow me just to, just to crack open a little of that and to see in there? Lord, I'd like to see Father. You know what Moses said? Lord, I'd like to see, though I've talked with you, though I've been with you for 40 days and 40 nights on the mountain, though I've been there twice, uh, God, would you show me a little more of your glory? Would you allow me, Lord, to see? more did God deny him God did not deny him why don't I have James said because we don't ask isn't that right we ask amiss I'm not trying to be ugly to you I'm trying to entice you and tell you that God has got a care package for you And friend, we're not talking about the richest man in the world. We're talking about the Creator of it all. Well, how how do I know? Well, chapter number 1, According as He has chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. My God, He called you and He chose you before the foundation of the world. I called you with a holy calling, called you with a heavenly calling, called you a while, a friend, before even the world was. He called you. Don't you know this, friend, that God has a care package for you that surely, surely we ought to desire to look into. That the God of our... Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation the knowledge of Him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. That's what I'm trying to tell you out of Romans and out of 1 Corinthians, that it's not by the flesh. It is a work of the Holy Spirit in you, but if our eyes are enlightened, listen to what the Word says, that you may know what is the hope of His calling. So as you think about that now, this hope of His calling, what is, I ask you this, I believe, I believe this, folks. There might be people that would disagree, but there's a call went out to the whole world. We tried to cover that a little while back, but there's a general call went to the whole world. 
as we read this morning, there was a call went out to Felix that didn't go to Drusilla. There was a work of the Holy Ghost that did not go to Drusilla. He resisted that, didn't he? But there is a calling. There is a calling that comes from God that will not be refused. There is a calling that comes from God that is an effectual calling. I thought about this Scripture this afternoon in the book of James, a very familiar Scripture. You'll know it. It's talking about Elijah. And Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of six Uh, three years and six months. He prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Back a verse or two, you know what the Bible says? The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So this effectual prayer, does this prayer bring about something? Whether you've seen it or not, I'd like for you to look at it tonight if you can. I'd like for you to go to that little account of Mount Carmel and notice this. At the very first of that, God said, I'm going to send rain. Why was He praying? God brought it about. Oh, preacher, that's not true. (laughs) Oh, it's the truth. He said, I'm going to send rain. Seven times He sent His servant. But do you know before He ever sent His servant, He said, I I know it's going to rain. I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. Before He ever prayed there, You see, God's doing the work leading us to pray. God's doing the work that brings about the effectual prayer. God is bringing that about. Now you you go tonight and you read your Bible and see if God did not tell him what he was going to do and yet Elijah carries out and prays. God did that work and God inspired in Elijah yet to pray. Am I hitting a snag? You don't believe that? Listen to Psalm 10, verse 17. The Lord hath heard the desire of the humble. Thou will prepare their heart. Thou will cause thine ear to hear. You got your Bible, look at it with me. Now listen. Lord, Thou hast heard the desire of the... What's the Lord heard? He's heard the prayer of the humble. Thou will prepare their heart. God has prepared them to pray. God has brought them to the place to pray. 
Thou will prepare their heart. Thou will cause thine ear. Whose ear? His own ear. Why is he going to hear their prayer? Because he's the one that provoked them to pray. He's the one that brought them to the place of humbleness to pray. And he is going to hear their prayer. You think it's in man? It's not in man to seek after God. It's God working in us that we would seek after Him. It's God. You know what He's given us? He's given us a little snippet of what is ours by being brought into the family of God. What is the hope of His calling? I'll tell you. Listen a little farther. We'll try to look a little farther. Listen. What, what, what are, are, are we aware of the benefits of God's calling? Let's look at a few scriptures. Galatians 5 and 5. Galatians 5 and 5. For we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. So we're waiting for... We're waiting for the expectation of right. What's going on in chapter 5 in Galatians? There's a falling from grace. They're going back under the law. They're going back under works. But you know what Paul says? Paul says, We, for we through the Spirit, wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. What's the hope of your calling? I tell you, righteousness. Perfect righteousness. Eternal and everlasting righteousness that is suitable and acceptable with God. I have a certain expectation of that. Read with me in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 4. There is one body and one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling. You know, what is my calling? I have an everlasting, I have everlasting life. I have everlasting, eternal salvation. I have forgiveness. I am completely forgiven. I am saved to the uttermost. How how do you know this? I tell you, because God called me. God did the work. God called me to this. what, What is the hope? What is the expectation of your calling? Look in Titus chapter 1. Titus chapter... Yeah, let's look in Titus chapter 1. Titus chapter 1, verse 2. In the hope of eternal life, which God, that cannot lie, promised before the world began. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect, and according to the truth which is in which is after godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. Who did He make that promise to? I tell you, He promised that according to Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 4. God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. You think God's going to fail in His calling? Has God ever failed? Has God ever called and somebody died and went to hell? Has God ever sent an effectual call and failed to come through? Has God ever failed in anything He's ever set out to do? I'll tell you what I hope that we should have in this calling. This calling, ladies and gentlemen, Titus chapter 2, 
verse number 13. Titus 2, verse 13. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Are we looking for Him? I tell you, is there a hope of a, in that? Is there a hope in, uh, in that calling of expectation of the Lord coming? I tell you, He's coming after the church. He's not coming after anything else. He's coming after the called. He's coming after the elect. He's coming after the born again. Do I have a hope in that calling? Absolutely. What is the expectation? I'm expecting to see Him. I'm expecting He's coming after me. I'm expecting if I am absent from this body, I'm going to be present with Him. Where do you get all of that? I get that out of the Word of God. Every promise that's in the Bible, I get by His calling me. He called me. Did He call you? Has He called you? Listen, in Hebrews chapter number 6, verse number 18. Now think with me. Can God make a promise and renege? Can God back up? Can God's mind be changed? Oh, man thinks, well, God changed His mind about Nineveh and God changed His mind about this and God said He repented and God changed His mind. God did not change His mind. You're looking at it from the horizontal. God Almighty already knew what He was going to do before the foundation of the world. He knew exactly how He was going to bring to pass. You may look and you may think God changed His mind, but He's not a man like you are and He does not repent and He does not change His mind. What kind of a God would we have if He was a God who could be changed by a little worm like me? No, we'll read there. We'll read there in Hebrews in just a second. He says in Isaiah chapter number 46, He said, Remember this and shew yourselves men. Bring it again to mind, you transgressors. Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is none else. I am God, and there is none like me. Declaring, declaring the end from the beginning. According to Ephesians chapter number 1, all these blessings that we have in Christ Jesus, blessed be God, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus, who? God, who chose us before the foundation of the world. Now, when did He declare that? Before you ever were. You think that's going to be changed by man? God's will and purpose are not going to be changed. Listen, folks. Enjoy what God has done in calling you. Enjoy what you have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't let the devil make you doubt or make you back up or think God has changed His mind. God declared, God announced from the beginning the end. He announced what the end would be before the foundation of the world. Our names were written in the Lamb's book of life before the foundation of the world. Jesus was slain before the foundation of the world. He's a Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. God's mind has not changed. Look what you have in your calling. I tell you, you've got a sure salvation.
Titus. Titus. I'm sorry, Hebrews 6.18. By two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. <laughs> My God, we got a God who can't lie. We've got a God who made us promises according to what He writes in the book of Ephesians. He chose us before the foundation of the world. You think that's going to be thwarted? You think that's going to be changed? You think that's going to uh, 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 come to pass and, and God's going to bring a portion of it and then fail? And listen, I am not saying that you can do anything you want to and you'll still be saved. I'm saved because you are saved. God is working in you both to will and to do. Because you are saved, your life is in line with the will and the Word of God. Because God did a work in you, you've got a desire to live for God. He worketh all things. All things after the counsel of His own will. He worketh all things. Listen to what He says in Hebrews chapter 9. Chapter 9. Verse 15. So He's talking about Christ who offered Himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And for this cause, He is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. <laughs> are you called? What do I have? I'll tell you what I've got. I've got an eternal inheritance. I've not just got Christ in this world. I've got Christ and I have an inheritance and I've got a blessing and I've got a treasure and I've got a care package in this world and I've got an eternal inheritance in the world to come. You know, that ought to be a great consolation to me. I've got an eternal inheritance. I am the owner. I am the recipient of it now. Should that not excite us? Another verse or two. Let's look and uh, I believe I believe we could let, let's look in Romans. Maybe we'll hush with this. So let's go to a very, very favorite verse. 828, for we know that all things work together for good to them that love God to them who are the called according to his purpose. I missed a verse I'd like to read in 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy, you said this, verse 9, chapter 1, verse 9. So talking about the gospel and the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus, before the world began, I tell you how. How are you gonna? How are you gonna get rid of that, folks? 
This is God's work. This is God's plan. We were called with a holy calling. Not according to our works, but according to God's will and God's purpose. He created you. He created me for His purpose. You were chosen before the world began for His purpose. You were called with a holy calling not according to your works, but according to His purpose and grace. What's this epistle of Ephesians about? I tell you, it's glory to God. And it's glory to the grace of God. That's what it's about. You know, I tell you, there's a lot of things that are being attributed to man that if a person's saved, God ought to be getting all the glory for it. Again, 2 Timothy 1.9, Who saved us? Who saved us? God saved us. Who called us? Who saved us and called us with a holy calling? Not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace which was given us. So you mean our purpose was given? The grace of God was given? Listen now. Before the world began? Is that not what God is, what Paul is praying that the Ephesian church could see? He's praying that they could see the greatness, the hope, the a certain expectation of this calling. It ought not to make us lazy. It ought not to make us live for the devil. It ought to make us glorify God that He would be mindful of us, that you were called, that you were chosen, that God had a purpose and God showed you and shed His grace on you. Romans 8, 28. 8, 28, uh, and we know that all things work together for the good to them that love God, to them who are the called. Is there a people that are the called? The whole world's called, isn't it? Isn't the whole world called? In one sense, yes it is. But you, if you're saved, did God do something special for you? Let me ask you, the man up the road and the lady down the road and the people you work with, that by all appearances it looks like they're going to die in their sins and go to hell, you mean to tell me that God did the same thing for them that He did for you? And they're still living like that? No. No, God called you. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according... Why are you called? You're called... I'll tell you the reason you're called. You're called because of God's intent. You're called because of God's purpose. For whom He did foreknow. When did He know you? He knew you before the foundation of the world. Listen. He hath loved you with the same love that He loved His Son with. You know what kind of love that is? An everlasting love. A love that had no beginning and no end. God loved you. 
Oh, preacher, that, 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 that just can't be. We weren't. So God couldn't love us. I tell you, God loved us. God loved us. And God loved us and called us and chose us before the foundation of the world for His purpose. And you, you whom He did foreknow, He did, he did predestinate to be conformed. So God predetermined, God determined the end from before the foundation of the world that you was going to live a life that looked like the Son of God. You were going to live a life in conformity to the Son of God. You know, I don't believe you could be any more like the Son of God than being under the leadership and the direction of the Holy Spirit. For whom He did foreknow, He did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son. That word means jointly formed that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. You mean that Jesus Christ, you mean that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was raised from the dead, and I'm going to have some other likeness? No, I tell you, I'm going to be raised from the dead too. He's going to call me from darkness unto light. He's going to call me from death unto life. He's going to call me out of the kingdom of the devil into the kingdom of God. He is going to translate me uh, from one world into another. He is going to bring me to a place of being born again by His call. Listen, listen, there's no way to mess this up. I tell you, there's a lot of twisting and turning, but I believe this Scripture is so, so true. Moreover, whom He did predestinate, he also called. Whom He called. Notice this. Notice the pronoun over and over and over in verse 30. Whom He predestinated. Whom He called. Whom He called. Whom He justified. Whom He glorified. Who's doing the work? He is. Moreover, whom He did predestinate. What are we predestinated to? Be conformed to the image of His Son. Whom He called, He also called. So He predestinated you to be conformed. Okay, let's, let's, let's just leave it right there for just a minute. Let's go with the crowd. Well, preacher, what He predestinated is for us to be conformed and to act like and look like Jesus. Okay, I'll go with that. But there's no way for that to happen until you're called. Whom He predestinated to be conformed, He called. Isn't that what the Bible said? He also called. And whom He called, them He also justified. And whom He justified, them He also glorified. Now I'm going to ask you a plain, simple question. If God has called the whole world, is the whole world justified? Are our neighbors and our friends and our family and our co-workers, are they justified? Are they just before God? <coughs> Many of them are not just before God, are they? But according to this word right here, whom He called, He justified. So there must be a different call than the general call to the whole world God must have done a special work, an effectual call, a call that is by the Spirit and the power of God that does not happen to the rest of the world. 
Watch Paul. Watch Paul want the church at Corinth, their faith to be in the power of God, not in the wisdom of men. Right? Them he called, he justified. Whom he justified, he glorified. Well, preacher, we're going to be glorified one day. I say this, that is now and yet to be. If you are called, if you are predestined, if you are foreknown, if you are justified, you have been glorified with the presence of the Holy Spirit in your heart and in your life already. You already have a portion of the glory that is yet to come. You have already been given a down payment. You already have the earnest of the Spirit. You are glorified. You have the earnest of the Holy Spirit in your life today if you are called. One more verse. Romans 11, verse number 29. So Paul's talking about Israel. Has God cast off Israel? No. God forbid. He's not cast off Israel. Is everybody that's in Israel, Israel? Is everybody that's in the church really saved and born again and of the church of God? Could we be a part of a physical church on earth and not be a part of the church in heaven? Verse number 28 is concerning the gospel. They are enemies for your sakes. But as touching the election... Now, who's doing the election? Well, preacher, you're elect when you choose God. It's not what the Bible says. Paul said, I endure all things for the elect's sake that they may receive the salvation. As concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sake, but as touching the election, they are beloved... For the Father's sake, the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. Can we change that? You can't change that, folks. You cannot change that. The gifts and callings of God, you know what a calling is? A calling, that's a gift. You talk about a gift from God. That's part of the gift. Paul says this, I'm going to read it. Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also... Why does he say that they may also? So the letters to Timothy, I believe Paul's including himself, that they with us may obtain, that they may be a part of, that they by hearing and believing the gospel, they may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Are they elect? God said they're elect. Are they saved? They're not saved yet. They're not saved yet. That's what the book says. Paul's enduring all things for the elect's sake that they might come to salvation. How? Through the preaching of the gospel, the call and the working of the Holy Spirit. It's the only way anybody will ever be saved. It's a work of God.